There you go. Morning, guys. I hope everybody puts their food up. They got got rid of their food because I'm gonna. I'm not gonna sing a song, but I'm gonna say some say some verses. If I sing it, I don't want to be by throwing food up here at me. So, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Let's pray. Let's pray again. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful day, Father, that you've given us for all these men that have come here today. Perseverance is a challenge, dear God, particularly in a world in which we live in today. Uh, it affects us, most everyone in our, in our daily walk. And we pray, dear God, that we will meet those challenges you set before us, and relying and leaning upon you and your Son, Jesus Christ, trusting in him, because we know, dear God, that he... It is sovereign over all, and he will make our path straight. Amen. This is very humbling standing here before you today. A vile and wretched, wretched man, saved by the loving grace of God, my sins washed away by the blood of his son Jesus Christ, a broken jar of clay, transformed by God's hands to be used in a fallen world. Perseverance. Dictionary tells us it's persistence in doing something despite difficulty or a delay in achieving success. Going to text today from James, chapter 5, 7 through 11, reading from the New International Version. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumns and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord is coming near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. James was writing to the Jewish Christians who were experiencing trials and persecution in the first century. Um, his purpose in verses 5, to, uh, 5, 7, 11 was to encourage the readers to develop spiritual perseverance or endurance when facing trials and persecution. I'm going to talk about anybody that's ever spoke up here knows the challenges that you get before, you know, okay, a week or two before you come up here and you start to speak. And uh, I've had all kinds of things where Satan's trying to dig a little bit and stuff uh, uh, into my life and stuff. Well, today I woke up at 2.30 and I wasn't feeling very good. And uh, finally I figured out what's going on. I, I suffer from vertigo and I had a vertigo attack today and I probably hadn't had one for about nine months. And my blood pressure, when you look at my face, my face is pretty red today. My blood pressure was sky high. And uh, he's not going to win, guys. I'm here. Okay? And uh, uh, that's a challenge. Uh, it's something I live with. And, and we're, we're going to move on. Okay? So we all go through trials. And in, 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 uh, in some instances, face a lot of persecution. This is just part of experience in life. And Christians are never exempt from, from, from uh, these things happening in their life. You know, 
Earlier in the, in the book of, of James, uh, in chapter 1, 2 through 4, he writes, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So it's very important to learn to continue on through various trials when you don't want to, you know, the... the when you don't want to, you know the old the old athlete saying of you know the uh, when the tough when the going gets tough the tough gets going. That's kind of like that is in life and every anything you do. So it, it's just uh, you know when you move on and Christians walk, it's just need to understand that perseverance is a found is a building block to the foundation of your life, and that, that's just so important. Um, I do have some quotes in here I wanted to go by, go, go read, and they're also in, the, in your text right there. So James wants his readers to understand that the suffering enters the believer's life. Perseverance is the believer's response, and blessing comes from the Lord, who is full of compassion and mercy. That's, um, that's from George Dulek in his book on James, page 174. And then you can go, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to read all of them, but you know, Dr. Jeremiah's got stuff in there, Dr. Evans has stuff in there. And so, you know, those are, you know, very good quotes and from... From, from extremely good Bible teachers. So, what is your trial? Have you ever been encountered? Have you ever encountered the suffering through any of the following? Health issues, chronic pain, disease, or injuries, job problems, marital difficulties, financial problems, death of a loved one, traumatic a traumatic experience, or frequent athletic injuries. So, what I want to do is is, is jump ahead and, and go into a little bit of my testimony about the things that have happened in my life as far as perseverance. Okay? Um, so you're not going to hear all my testimony. You're just going to hear parts of it. In the spring of 1959, my family moved to Kokomo. I was a... My parents were from here. Uh, my father was in the Air Force. Uh, I happened to be born on, on Christmas Day and share a birthday with... Uh, another wise man. There were three of us. As a matter of fact, two twins, two twins, and myself. And one, if he would raise his hand up right there, we've been friends since we're nine years old. Carl Stone King and I have were we anointed ourselves as the three wise men at age nine. Terrible. <laughs> so, um, um. My, my, as, so my we, they, parents moved us back here because my father was being deployed to Turkey. So he was he was he was deployed to Turkey for a year, and then when he came back, he was deployed to to Michigan. And soon after that, my parents got divorced. My dad didn't want to give up uh, his career in the service, and really wasn't that interested in having a family. And so he left uh, my mother and two of my younger brothers at that time. So. In October 61, my, my mother uh, married uh, for a second time, and the first couple of years weren't too bad. Um, then my stepfather started drinking and became an alcoholic. Uh, in that realm, next to my mother, I became public enemy number one. I was the oldest child. They had had another child, uh, uh, another boy. So I had three younger brothers. Um, I kind of thought it was my, my duty to kind of look after them in a lot of ways. So, consequently, even when you're only 9 or 10, 
and you're trying to stand up and be a man uh, to somebody that's, that's physically and abusive to you, uh, you're going to get the brunt of that. And uh, I've, really, I've really not ever really talked about that to anybody, so this is the first time I've ever said that to, you know, publicly, to going through that. Because you live, you live a life of shame. You don't want anybody to know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't want to bring, bring people over to the house. And Chuck, I know you've seen this many times with people you, that you have counseled. You know, it really it really affected me later when I was when I would go and be, be dating dating girls because I, I wouldn't let them get real close. You know, I didn't want them to to be a part of that. Okay, my one one outlet that I had was sports. Um, sports kind of became my god. I played as much as I could to avoid ha- having to spend any time at home. Uh, my parents weren't real, real supportive in that, uh, and my mother had no interest in it. And she would—I'll I'll say that she did become a teen mom and stuff like that, but she had no idea what was going on. And uh, ironically, my stepfather was a pretty good athlete when he when he been in high school, but when it came to the kids, kids, he didn't know how to be a father. Didn't want to be a father. So. Um, a problem that started to develop with me was from seventh grade through twelfth through my senior year of high school is I got injured every single year, every single sport I tried to play, and never finished one season. Um, and frustration grew. You know, I had such such a desire to, such a desire to play because um, it was it was an outlet. Uh, and yet I wasn't being allowed to play. And for my uh, anger turned a little bit towards God because I did not understand why I was always going through, I was already going through a lot of issues with the, the, the stuff at home. And now I'm hurt all the time. And... Uh, so I was very, very, very frustrated. Consequently, I walked around with a little bit of a chip on my shoulder at times, and, and I was a, kind of a handle, kind of a hard to handle at times uh, by by coaches. Uh, sad to say, I was kicked out of my first ball game at age 16 against Jim Butcher's against Jim Butcher's Eastside Barbershop team. Yeah, because I threw a bat and a helmet at my, my, a guy on my own team. So, um, pardon? What happened to the wise boy? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it, it's just, you know, I just, I just really felt like the thing was, was really taken away from me. So, Moving forward to March 23rd in 1985, my son Nicholas was born. Now, I, was, I had gotten married to, to Luann, wonderful woman, and uh, we had a daughter. And I learned, learned real quick that I was not capable of being a very good coach to girls. Um, I, you know, being, being, growing up in a house of boys, uh, it was kind of strange having a daughter. 
when you're never around, never around. It'd be nice if I'd had a sister. So, um, and he, he was kind of a, a, a miracle because my wife got pregnant on the pill. She didn't want, she wanted more kids. And so, either I'm really good or, or something happened, you know, something messed up, you know. <laughs> so, so, I would say stuff probably messed up. So, but anyway, uh, you know what? It was all God. No question about that. Anybody that knows my son Nicholas uh, will attest to that. What a true, what a, what a warrior for Christ he is. Amen. God, so, um, in 1990, I started my career coaching. I started coaching YMCA basketball, Carver Center basketball, elementary basketball, AAU basketball, minor league baseball, major league baseball, Babe Ruth baseball, Connie Mac baseball, pal flag football, pal tackle football, middle school football, and finally, I joined the staff of Taylor, Taylor High School uh, coaching football. So, I've really found out what a blessing this was. Because all this time, God taking all that stuff away from me, He knew all these years later what I was going, that I was going to be given the chance to not only coach my son, but to mentor young, other young boys. There's a young man sitting here as a quarterback played for me several years ago that I led to Christ sitting on a a curb one day outside Taylor High School. Hallelujah. Just fun us. Praise God. So, you know, my my appointment was to do that. Okay. And you know what? It's so much better when you see the experience and it, you, you get to experience your child success versus any success that you have. And if you know anything about my son, we were very successful in, in all the things that, that he played. And uh, I was, it was pure, pure, just brings pure joy uh, for that. So, I persevered because God had a plan for my life. God is, is, a, is a God of retesting. He constantly gives His trials um, because His desire to work through us and not to you. He wants to bless you so that you can become a blessing to others. And the Bible is full of suffering for his good. Abraham, Joseph, Job, David, many of the Old Testament prophets. In the New Testament, Jesus, the disciples, Stephen, and of course, Paul had a Ph.D. in trials. In December of 2016, I became very sick with pneumonia. Um, in fact, I really thought I was going to die Christmas Day. I did, didn't... My, I was that far in, in trouble. Um, but I recovered. And after recovering, I had to have a, a, a heart test. Um, 
this is something that's been going on because of a, a, a heart situation I had in 1987. So I go and, I, and they're going to do a Doppler scan of my heart. And so the guy's taking some readings of it. And um, he kept going to one spot in particular, right in, right, right in here. And he kept going. And, and finally he said, I cannot let you get up on top of the treadmill. He said, because your aorta is reading 4.8 centimeters. And that's a very, very dangerous thing. He said, I think it could, it could possibly blow. So I'm being honest with you, I think it could possibly blow if, you, if we got your heart rate up. Later found out at 5.0 centimeters, they uh, go in and do a complete replacement of your, of your aorta and all the way down in your, in, in your stomach. So one thing that, uh, that happens, and I, go, went, I went back and, and looked at, at um, five previous tests I had, was that they, it was constantly getting larger the whole time. And I wasn't paying that much attention to it, but it was getting larger constantly. Um, so people started praying. And actually, I started getting prayers that took place all over the world. Um, and I got received feedback from this. It's going to went crazy, went crazy, went viral like on Facebook and stuff. And, and um, uh, another girl I graduated with works for a monastery, and she had she sent it out to places, you know, all over the country uh, for for nuns to start praying for me, and and you know, just just lots and lots of, of people. Um, I'm going to give you a little demonstration of something right now. I got here balloons. If I blow this balloon up, I'm going to really turn red. And blow it up like that. And then let, well, I'm going to let the air out of it. Your arteries get like that when, when they start expanding. Okay. Now here's a here's a regular balloon. You see, there's a, there's a difference in the size of those things. You guys see that? They don't go down. So, the great doctors at Saxony Hospital in Annapolis. I don't know if you guys know where that is. That's the heart. That's a special heart doctor, heart specialist, heart special heart hospital down uh, the northeast the northeast side of Indianapolis for IU Health, where they do just heart and, and severe back injuries. So those guys got a hold of me, and so they started doing some tests. And uh, they actually, you know, injected me with a bunch of nuclear stuff and, and started putting me in, into a, like a, very similar to if you had an MRI. They did a cross section absolutely and measured every all my veins and stuff. Um, so I go back to the doctor in early March of, of 2017. And um, I remember it's 4.8. The reading on my aorta was 
Remember, it can't go down. So I asked the doctors, I said, what's perfect? They said 2.75. What's the air factor on the test? 0.05. I am a walking 100% miracle. Healed by God. Grace of God. The doctors can't understand it. They gave no reason. Five different hospitals had checked me out. They're not all wrong. It was big, and now it's perfect. It definitely was a miracle. I persevered because God had a plan for my life. In December of 2018, I retired. The golf course was calling. I, I fought. Since retiring, I've had six surgeries, two broken ribs, and a terrible case of vertigo where I was hospitalized and bedridden for six weeks. Total golf played, 18 holes. Let me interject a verse from Huddle. Many of the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Is that, not, is that not perfect? Earlier this year, I found out I had third, third stage chronic kidney disease. I was bat, battling abnormally high blood pressure uh, all fall. Uh, and then eight weeks ago, I had a heart scan, another one. You know, this is the one, the, the cheap one where you go in and they, they check the calcium, the calcium for the deposits and stuff, your, your veins and stuff. Well, <coughs> my LAD came back at 438. Now, the upper limit's 401. And if you know anything about the LAD, it's a left anterior descending. That's what they call the Widowmaker. So, two weeks later, I had to have a CAT scan because one of the other things that, that, that happens when I had to, when I was a sophomore, I failed five time tests and I found out I had tuberculosis. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day on the phone. He said, I remember. He said, I remember you telling about that. <laughs> See, I had to quit the baseball team when I was a sophomore for medical reasons. That no one, not, and you're never allowed to talk about that kind of stuff. Because so, I was so I didn't play anything for a year because of that. So anyway, I have to have scans all the time. Well, I had this scan. I went into to the doctor's office, and the radiologist read the scan. I might say that I've also got nodules and one's growing. So, uh, but those I've had most of my life, so I don't worry that much about them. Um, Guy said, this guy needs to see the cardiologist ASAP because the LAD showed up on the uh, CAT scan. <coughs> so I'd already had, already had an appointment. And once again, people started praying. Even had a prayer on the golf course. Thanks to Chuck, Rick. 
and a bunch of my buddies that I went to school with got around on the day the day I had the scan. Prayed for me that day. You know, I have a even before when I had the the, the aorta problem this year, I I had a sense of peace about me, and I know it's the prayers of people to praying to God. And it's the same thing. I went into that thing and had a had had a tremendous tremendous peace about me. Doctor called me that night. There is absolutely zero indication of any blockage whatsoever. Once again, God comes through. Amen. Intercessory prayer. And, you know, I just, I mean, sometimes I feel guilty because uh, why me? When other people have cancer, other people have other things that, 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 that they can't get rid of. I'm truly, truly blessed. And I persevere because God has a plan for my life. I plan to talk to you guys today. I guess the big thing is endurance. Hebrews 10.36 in your notes say you need to have endurance. God always teaches His children to have endurance through adversity. The storms of life are faced by people every day. No one is ever exempt or gets a free pass. So don't dwell on your current trials. Do not let them ever define you. Your history does not have to be your destiny because it's not how you start, but it's how you finish. As Paul says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So remember, always look for God's presence in spite of the trials. His plans are a heck of a lot better than what ours are. And end with another song. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for the trials that you give us, God, because we know that those bring us closer to you. Every single one that we go through. We need to be looking to you, God, for all things. You are sovereign over all things. You are Lord over all things. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You, dear God, are God Almighty, who has a son that was sent for the remission of our sins, whose blood was shed to wash as white as snow. We pray, dear God, that we look to you, we look to your son, and we commit our lives to you for the glory of and goodness of your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen.